Welcome back to Revelatorium, the podcast that comes around once a month, just about as often as I would phone up my grandma as a kid, which I bring up because recently it has been brought to the forefront that I have grandma issues. You hear a lot about the daddy issues and the mama, the mama. (laughs) Why would it be so weird to hear someone be like, I have mama issues instead of mommy issues? Like... (laughs) You hear it that one way every single time. So if someone were like, I have data issues. (laughs) If someone were to say I have data issues, that would be like the S tier daddy issues. Like if it's so bad that you're calling them data issues, that's when it gets a little scary. Um, No, I, I do not have daddy issues or mommy issues to my knowledge, but I do have grandma issues um, because let's, let's, uh, Let's pull back the curtain. I am grandparentless. I've been grandparentless for the last decade of my life. You know, absent, absent figures. May they rest in peace. And that has caused a bit of a um, a, a void. Can you imagine that losing one of your family members causing a void? It's it's a lesser talked about void. I do think. And I think it's like unique for me because like I said at the top, I would only talk to my grandparents like once a month, like basically when my parents, my mom's parents, I didn't know past the age of like five. So that was never a relationship I even had access to in the in the living world. Who knows what's going on spiritually? Of course, of course. Who knows what's going on in our past and future lives and our reincarnations? But um my dad's parents, like basically when they would talk to him on the phone, you know, maybe once a month, he would hand the phone to me. And again, because they passed when I was like 15, I always was so antsy to talk to them because I was like, what do I even say? Like, I never got to have an adult relationship with my grandparents and experience their life perspective and their wisdom with like a fully developed brain. There are so many questions I would have asked them had I understood mortality a little bit better, had I understood like that relationship better. And I regret it. Like I regret, I mean, I don't think I would be able to go back in time and change anything. Like I'm not going to waste time thinking about that. But at this point in my life, I find myself, I mean, I've talked about this multiple times on my YouTube channel and on this podcast, even like my quest for the development of intergenerational relationships in my life, which when I look around, like that is a very scarce thing in our modern, in our modern society, because like we are just, our world loves to fracture us into our little divisions and quarantine off all of our elders. And some people get to live in a multi-generational home. I never really experienced that, you know, three generations, just two generations. Um, and so I find myself like grasping at like, who, who can be my grandma figure? Who can be my grandpa figure? And I've experienced like fleeting episodes of that. I just went on a trip to Alaska, which may have looked like a trip with just my family. No, it was actually a trip with me and 40 Unitarians. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. I I uh, don't typically enjoy hearing about people's travels via podcast medium. I'm like I'll I'll look at it on your Instagram story or the travel vlog. But like hearing about it in podcast medium, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to translate as well. Anyway, 95% of the people on the trip were above the age of like 60 or 65, and so I came into that 
I kind of, my sister and I had our, had our suspicions that it would be that way and we were prepared and a lot of people would probably resent that and be like, oh, huge group trip, nobody our age. You know what? No, I learned to reframe a long time ago. This is great because I don't have access to this population of people usually. I'll be able to access so much of their wisdom and like just get to know them and fill a little shovel in a, a few rocks and stones and pebbles into the into the bottom of the the void pit that um has formed unfortunately 40 people is too many to get to know well and i am a big fan of closeness and proximity and intimacy and so for me i would rather get to know like 8 to 12 people over the course of two weeks, rather than have one lunch conversation with 40 people, that can work well if everybody's down to clown and down to just like, be real as hell at the lunch table. But a lot of times people just want to make small talk, they don't really want to talk about their their most profound encounters in this life. And I would never expect someone to want to talk about that at a lunchtime thing. That's just why I like I like when I did my trail work trip last year, I did a week in the woods building trails and three of those people were in their golden years. And so every night having three hours around the campfire where you quite literally have nothing else to do besides go to your tent and read a book, you're gonna get into some topics, and you're gonna learn some some knowledge. So um, I have just been really recognizing that in my life and finding myself really reaching for the validation. (laughs) I no longer am searching for peer-to-peer validation. I'm searching for validation from moms, from moms, which that may make make you think, well, she's got mommy issues. No, no, Super convincing. No, <laughs> no. I've just met a few moms, a few grandfather, fathers, grandfathers, grandfathers, grandmothers. I've met a few of those, <laughs> of those kind over the last few months. And I've really found myself wanting to cultivate those relationships. Although it's like novel in my life, because I'm like, oh, you have other responsibilities that aren't just like being a fool in your 20s, you know? Like when you're when you're peer to peer, like age to age, similar making friends where it's just like I'm 27, I'm meeting people in their 20s, early 30s. It's like I kind of know what the expectations of your life, like the with the with what some of the general responsibilities of your life are like. But once we get into the territory where people have like multiple generations of a family that they're caring for, I'm like, I no longer understand exactly how often I should be expecting to see you or like what's reasonable in this relationship, which is why communication is key, babe which is why asking them and just being flexible and open to whatever form of the relationship will come uh, is is huge. But I will just do a speed run of a couple of the things I learned from some cursory conversations with some of the um, folks in their 60s, 70s, 80s on that trip. Number one, I had a very interesting conversation about, you guessed it, friendship with an older gentleman. And he was telling me about how they're at an age now they're at an age now, like, you know how when you're 27 to 29, you go through like Saturn return astrologically is like what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to go through this big tumultuous upheaval and like rebirth and transformation. I wonder what the term for this stage of life would be. But basically, he's at a point where all of his friends or many of his friends are just having grandchildren. 
So their children are now having children, and that is causing them to move away and move to care for their grandchildren and move to be a part of that like multi-generational home structure if the kids don't already live by them. And so he's like, he's like, I'm losing friends in droves. Like people are leaving left and right to take off and, you know, settle, settle with their families again. And obviously he can't fault them for that. That's a beautiful thing. And like he's encouraging his friends to go, but it's like that's causing like at his stage of life, like these are friends he's had for multiple decades. And now those are turning into long distance relationships or I don't, I don't know if he's expecting to keep them up long distance or not. Um, but I just found that so, so fascinating because he doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have grandchildren. So that's not a factor in his life. And I'm like, how, like, I, I've never thought about that stage of life before. Um, but that would be very devastating to me to like cultivate these relationships from I, I it devastates me when I meet somebody one time and then I hear that they're moving away. I'm like, damn, that sucks. I was looking forward to like continuing to get to know you. So to lose a relationship you've been fostering, not to not to lose, but to like lose the physical presence of a relationship you've been fostering for multiple decades. That is something you don't hear about. And that is why I need to give a platform. I need to do a I literally, you guys, what I need to do is I need to get a rent a grandma and do a podcast with her. Like I, where, where, tell me, tell me, DM me on Instagram, comment on the YouTube video if you're watching the podcast that way. Tell me if you watch anything that is a podcast between a child and their parent, even better child and a grandparent or person, younger person and person in their golden years. I know that there were a ton of those like gag channels with like grandmas doing kooky things. No, I want to hear like an endearing, thoughtful, like, you know, perspective, intergenerational perspective. I think that would be so well-rounded and wonderful. And how grounding would it be to talk to somebody like many, many years removed from me and be like, what's... What's going on here? And I recently did a video interviewing people on the street. And I fortunately got to talk to some people that were like not in their 20s and 30s because it was very important to me in that video to not just showcase the perspectives of like 20s people in their 20s and 30s. I wanted to hear about friendship in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, because online you don't get those perspectives as much. And I desperately wanted to hear about that. Um, And I could see on this trip with these 40 people like they were trying they, this was a friendship making effort for them. It's like it was it was valuable to like get to interact with people from all around the country and go on vacation with new people and meet new people. Like you will never tire of that. You will. I think a lot of times we think like uh, nobody wants to make new friends. Everyone's got their group and they're good. But like I could see it right in front of my face. Forty people that were still down to like meet new people and, and deepen these conversations and like get there. So that was one thing I learned was that sort of. um perspective of losing friends and then another thing I learned take care of your knees don't worry as much about your hips I feel like I'm doing so many hip stretches but apparently hip replacements pretty run-of-the-mill not very like not very risky knee stuff is a lot more complicated so even like I, it doesn't have to be I don't need to send it have like profound life advice from my elders like I don't need it to be like so deep and like um insightful no 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 I I just want to know like what are the things I'm not I'm not inhabiting because I'm just I don't have the wisdom so um as always still still yearning for some intergenerational friendship deeply deeply want it and I know I'll find it 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 comes to me that's my affirmation intergenerational friendships come to me (laughs) so I'm working on that okay 
Um, did anyone notice that the set has changed today? If you're watching on video, um, I did decide to make a little set um, as if I were moving. I thought it could be like a fun, inventive thing to like take you through the journey of a, maybe a podcaster who could be moving. I'm, I'm definitely not moving. These aren't my boxes and bags and things. I didn't choose to record this podcast the day before I'm packing up my one bedroom apartment and transferring it to another one. Um, I like so someone recording a podcast the day they're packing up and moving that's called dedication to your craft couldn't be me um being facetious for two minutes cather out being facetious for two minutes straight um clip okay let's uh let's talk about revelations this month the first revelation being that there is actually a relief i experience now when I realize that there's some vocation, activity, occupation, hobby that I don't want to do. Like that is actually so settling and affirming to me. Like I was watching, like many, many Americans in this day and age, many people around the world, I was watching the second season of The Bear and I was just reflecting on how little, obviously that show does a great job of um, de-glamorizing. It does a little bit of both. It does a little bit of both. It glamorizes and also de-glamorizes the food industry, the service industry, the culinary art. I have no interest, desire to do that. I if, Making food, culinary creations, no appeal. And it feels so good to not want to do that. And even just like a little bit meta acting, you know, because they're acting. They weren't actually in the culinary field. One of the people on the show was. I have no desire to be an actor, you know? I've been an actor in middle school, <laughs> and I just, that type of, like, craft, I don't have an interest in as much. Like, I would love to be a screenwriter or a director, um, a comedian, like a stand-up comedian, but, like, acting, I don't feel called to. I don't feel called to, and it's, it's like, it gives me peace because I'm in a state where I and... Let me just tell you how little I want to feel this way. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, yes, this is the way I feel and I'm proud of it. No, I am in this state of like panic over all that I could do. Like, here's the problem is that I, I used to feel very like self limiting. I used to really like close myself off to things. I would tell myself, tell myself very strict stories of like what my path was supposed to be. And it was kind of easy when I was on that like corporate path and I knew exactly I was like, okay, if I get straight A's in high school and I go to good college, I'll be a business major. I'll graduate. I'll get a, I'll get a job in the business world. And then da, 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 da. like there is some just absence of. I don't know, overthinking when you have your five-year plan laid out for you and you're just tracking towards it. Now I'm like, that five-year plan busted up in a plane. Like, it's gone. Like, it's freaking in a million smithereens. Like, I I do need to get a paper shutter, you guys. I have no security practices or security hygiene around any of the medical documents that I'm sent literally every week because I'm famous for just like not paying medical bills that I don't want to pay and just like fully thinking that they're never going to come after me because they haven't and it's been four years. Um, unless they watch this podcast episode and then they're like, we got her. Lock her up. We got her. Um, it's like, it, I'm so stubborn in so many ways. Um, I don't have any good hygiene around shredding 
sensitive documents. So what I need to do once I move is just go over to my friend's fireplace and burn them up. Burn them. Provide some heat. You know, some actual fulfillment. Am I pyro? Perhaps. Anyway, I've done such a good job of unblocking myself at this point where I'm like, I truly like can do anything. Like I'm starting to songwrite right now. It's like, if I want to be a poet, I can do that. If I want to do tap dancing again, I can do that. If I want to be a stand-up comedian, I can do that. If I want to write a movie, I can do that. Like I know that like I can do those things. You know, very similarly, like I know I can do any job. Like I can learn. I have immense capacity for learning. I can figure it out. It's not as much like, it's not as much like, can I actually live out that craft? It's like, there's too many now. I'm like, I don't think I can make an album while I'm writing a movie, while I'm pursuing stand up comedy, while I'm balancing YouTube and a podcast, and now I'm creating a zine. If you want to download the first, I didn't plan to release the zine now, but I just, the excitement bubbled out. If you want to download and access and read the first edition, the first volume of the Revelatorium zine, if this is the first you're hearing of it, I birthed the idea live on a podcast episode, I think it was number six, that I wanted to share more of your responses. Every episode, I collect your responses via Instagram story and on my YouTube community tab to um, prompts I come up with based on the month I've had and just see how we... How we um, how we're similar, how we vary, how we're different. I want to share more of those. And I wanted to do it in a visual, like physical medium. And so eventually, we'd love to print those. um, If you're interested in having a physical copy, especially if you are featured in one of the zine episodes or the zine editions. So that will be linked in the description in the in the show notes of this, um, as well as you know, you'll be able to find it on my um, YouTube community tab as well. I'm so proud. It's not an effort just by me, but it's an effort by a team of zine collaborators whose names are on the zine. If you're curious, if you're like, who is this team? I'm going to let you download and find out. It's free. It's free. Download it. Look at look at it. Marvel at it. Um, it's so wonderful to like bring a new creation. But like I said, like, it's like I'm pursuing all these things. Like, how how could I possibly do all of those things and then somehow find a way to make enough money to like pay rent and then also see all of my friends which is like ultimately the most fulfilling and fulfilling thing in my life you know um clean my house like take care of myself um take care of my body cook like how like how how is that all gonna get done like i just in the summer especially i constantly feel like i'm not accessing my full potential and like i am not doing all the things like there is a smattering of posters on every telephone pole in the winter it, it's a little it's a little skinnier the, the the thickness of the amount of posters stapled to the telephone pole it's a little skinnier like there's not as many as many events in the winter there's not a much as much light people don't like to go out and socialize as much so like having a trivia night or like a drag bingo night like it is kind of like well great there's an event that week in the summer it's like well there's three different music festivals this weekend and a food festival like and a pun pun off and like um this other competition and an open mic night and like this performance and this and it's like i physically like I I can't go to all of those things but I want to that's the problem that's the problem that's why it's a relief when I don't want to do something because now I'm like oh 
I'm a little bit of a hedon. I want to do everything because I'm like, this is all sounding very pleasurable. I would like to do all of it, please. But there's physically, I cannot, I need to like body double myself so I can maximize all the pleasure or stream ordinary pleasure by Toro y moi. Um, <laughs> so um, like accompanyingly, I'm actually, I'm actually depressed right now. <laughs> so I'm chuckling, chuckling through the pain. I'm chuckling through the the anguish and the suffering. Um, I have to simply laugh through it because no more tears left to cry, babe. Um, I, yeah, I'm sad. I wake up every morning sad. <laughs> I wrote in my journal like a few months ago, like I haven't cried on youtube.com in so long. So we'll see if today is that day. But like, yeah, I just, I'm back in it. Now I'm in it by Heim. I'm back here. I've been here before. I've been here again. It always takes me a minute to accept it because I'm just like, no, never mind. If you go, ju- if you go jump in an alpine lake, your depression disappears for like four hours. That's what I do. Like if I'm hanging out my- with my friends, it kind of like gets masked for a while. But then once I'm back, especially coming back from a two week trip, once I'm back in my apartment alone without companionship, I'm like, oh, you are sitting with your feelings like there is no one to distract you from this. And for one reason or another, there's just this this depression in my belly. It's very physical. Like every morning I wake up and I just feel it. And I'm like, damn it. Damn it all. Because summer is not the season I want to, I want to feel that. It's not. But the more I push against it, the less it will, it will uh, resolve. So... I think part of this revelation is just like I'm feeling very insecure and I have a lot of doubt and I have a lot of like um, comparison that I'm doing where I'm just like, oh, they're doing that. They're doing that. They're releasing that project. They're doing that cool collaboration. Like how come I'm not doing all those things too? And in a way it's kind of like, in a way it's, it's kind of a, I'm like a depressive optimist where I'm like, I still like my higher self. It's like, I still know that I could do all those things. Like I have, I still have a degree, a degree of self-confidence, but then still I'll like look at all the things that I'm doing and I'm like, do these even mean anything? Are these, do these matter? And this is not a plea for you to tell me why I matter. That would probably, um, probably (laughs) feed into some, uh, like I, I need to tell myself that I matter. Like that's the only way out of this. So just been giving myself some self-compassion and um, I haven't been able to like fully sit in it because I have to pack up this whole apartment and move. But I, you know, reading a lot of your responses, like this is a July has been hard. Like I like many, many of us are going through it. And so it would do me no favors to just blow past that. And because I've been depressed, I don't think I've been quite as um reflective of the world around me because I've been wallowing and wallowing and wallowing. And I'm both overstimulated and understimulated. I'm overstimulated by like all I could be doing and then understimulated because I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like I have all of my all like I don't really feel like I have I mean, it's just like, I'm just, what I was telling my therapist is I was like, I feel like when you're depressed, it's just like holding up a black light to your life. And it's like, your things are showing up and glowing that you would have never had doubt or insecurity or shame or like fear around. It's like, I know, I fully know that like, I have no business 
being preoccupied and like overthinking and sitting in this like the like I I have a good life like I know that I do I have people that care about me I know that I do but like the depression is just like you don't have enough friends everyone else is hanging out without you like you are not an artist you don't have you don't have um success the way that others do like it is in some I'm not giving up I'm not giving up I'm still putting myself out there and I'm still I'm still like obviously recording this right now so I'm not just like it's all worthless like I know I'm just gonna move through this phase but goddamn, is it just like it's summer in physicality but I'm wintering in spirit all right I'm, I'm done talking about being depressed I don't want to talk about it anymore I do want to talk about my second revelation of the month which is similar to one that I shared last month <laughs> last month Woof. <laughs> i'm obsessed with that word like i'm so glad that ice spice has like surged the word munch into the lexicon i just think it's such a good word anyway um last month on revelatorium podcast number seven i was speaking about how just like amazing it is to see live performances and like have friends who have a reverence for live performance. And I'm stepping back into that revelation this month because I actually went to a live performance that wasn't exactly boy genius quality. Okay. It wasn't exactly state of the art quality. It was an amateur event that I went to and I really enjoyed a ton of people's performances. Like I was like, you're you're all doing amazing. There were just a couple people who I was kind of like, oh, I'm not, not enjoying your performance as much, which is totally fine. Like you're not gonna, it's, you're not gonna unilaterally enjoy every single performance you've ever seen. And these people are amateurs. But like, even though I didn't enjoy a couple of the performances as much as the others, I was like, that's actually encouraging because they're still up there and they're still getting to do it and they're still getting to create and they still have that platform. And it's like, I am such a proponent of like making bad art. And I'm like, you should be allowed to just like share what you want to share. And so I guess where am I going with this? I guess I'm just recognizing and appreciating that we do need like every type of art to be created. Like everyone needs to put their stuff out there because like if it's if it's a boy genius level performance, that's inspiring, but it's also intimidating. But when you see someone share their abilities, you know, at an amateur level, even if they're just beginning, like if it's someone's first, you know, dance class they've ever taken, you're watching their beginning level ballet performance at the end of this at the end of the semester, end of the class. It's so I love seeing people just like do what they love and it doesn't matter how good they are at it because it frees me to be like, yeah, it actually doesn't matter how good at it I am. Like I should just be putting it out there and there should be spaces for you to be able to put it out there. Like you shouldn't have to achieve some certain standard in order to be able to um, indulge in what you want to indulge in. And with that, let's take it into the fact check actually before we go on to the taking and leaving lists of the month because I want to hear what my lovely fact checker, Lena Daniels, has scooped up from my errors in communication last last month. With a stream of consciousness podcast, you're gonna get you're gonna get some some correctable opinions and facts. And let's hear what they are. Hey y'all, it's Lena Daniel back with another fact check of last month's episode of Revelatorium. Towards the beginning, Catherine joked about having bacteria in her reusable water bottle and how it was helping her gut microbiome. That's not necessarily correct. 
No. No, the mold growing in my hydrofask lid isn't actually helping my my gut. The average reusable water bottle contains 40,000 times more bacteria than a toilet seat. So it's quite bad and you should clean your bottle regularly um, in reference to... Oh, now that's actually very motivating. Thank you. Thank you, Lena. ...to improving your gut microbiome. It is good to eat bacteria, but it has to be good bacteria. So having prebiotic or probiotic foods, such as whole grains, onions, garlic, um, ensure that good bacteria grows. But you don't want to be um, consuming mold (laughs) off of your water bottle. Deeply needed to hear that. Oftentimes, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to give somebody a microphone because they might be sharing and spreading misinformation. And so if you are someone who felt more emboldened by your moldy lid lifestyle, don't let that be on my own accord because I'm correcting, I'm rewriting history and I'm correcting my wrongs and I will be, I will be washing mine more regularly and you might want to. Moving on to um, friendships. I just wanted to define commemorative friendships um, because Catherine mentioned it a couple of times. A commemorative friend is someone that you don't expect to hear from or see maybe ever again, but they were important to you at some earlier time in your life. And for that reason, you think of them fondly and still consider them a friend. So, um, reflects this specific time and space in your lives, but the current interaction is probably minimal and um, you see yourself as friends even though you don't have consistent interaction that active friendships would have. Moving on towards um, the past life movie and the idea of romanticism, a quick definition is that Um, romanticism is marked chiefly with an emphasis on imagination and emotions as opposed to realistic um, emotions and um, perhaps a better word for Catherine's um, tendencies to romanticize her friendships is um, to use the synonym uh, affectionate because that shows a mutual understanding of showing fondness or tenderness towards one another as opposed to romanticism where it is usually one-sided and you know what i needed that because i i get misunderstood a lot because i use language in like really liberal ways because i'm just like well they'll get it and sometimes people are like no i actually have no idea (laughs) i actually have no idea what you mean by that i'm being misconstrued constantly um so yeah i think like i I am both a romantic person because I am very imaginative in my in my emotions, but I also am just like a very affectionate friend. I value um, just a lot of intimacy and fluidity and intimacy in my relationships and not like quarantining that to a specific a specific category. And then moving on to the preschool um, connection. Um, you you are usually at least three years old from um, the range of three to five when you're in preschool. And it's very normal not to remember anything before um, the any adolescent age because of infantile amnesia. So this idea that Babies do hold memories, but the memories aren't of like what happened in their lives. It's more of a functional, like remembering how to eat with your hands or signal that you want water and more simple um, 
tasks as opposed to a fun day at the park that they had. Um, and then the last thing that I'll mention is uh, this idea of making your home homey and why it's important. Um, and just being in a physical space that is comfortable for you um, with a statistic that people spend 90% of their time indoors. So it is a very valid um, priority to try to make your home feel cozy. Okay, the stat that 90% of your time as a human being is spent indoors is horrifying to me. I would love, what if I made my home a little less cozy so that it made me want to go outside more? (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have my home be so hospitable. I should like make it inhospitable so it forces me to go sit in a park because that's way more enjoyable than being on my couch. Maybe I should make my couch so uncomfortable that I just have to get off of it. Um, Thank you so much, Lena. I find myself, I find myself like, like looking out my window and just enjoying listening to you because it feels like a little podcast inside a podcast to have these fact checks. So this was a longer one because I was spewing shit last time. So let's get into taking and leaving. What am I taking from July? Not much. Not much. All I wrote down, cherries. That's literally all I I could think of. I love summer fruit. I love cherries. Let's just take cherries from July. I would like to leave most everything else behind, including... The Frodo allegations. I talked about that previous episode. Um, I did indeed lighten my hair. I got baby lights. I don't even necessarily find myself liking baby lights. So those might be left behind at some point in the near future. Um, But because I've lightened my hair, I will no longer be seeing repeated comments of my uh, physical similarities to Elijah Wood. I'm also leaving this apartment, as I discussed. It's been two years in here. I'm moving on to a space that will have hardwood floors, potentially enough room for a piano, um, a little bit more storage, leaving all of my neighborhood spots behind, all of it. I'm not feeling a lot of grief over it, of course, because I'm staying within Seattle. I'm not actually leaving. It's I'll be able to come back to this neighborhood when I would like. It's a little further away and kind of hard to get to, but like I'll be able to come back to my haunts but I have been going through I think a fun thing to do is to have a little going away bucket list wherever you are and like things to check off before you leave and I I know a lot of people do this before they move out of a city or move out of an environment or a place but it's like I've I've had my little local spots either spots that I'm like I want to go one last time or spots that I never got to go to that I doubt I will be able to venture out to once they're a little bit less accessible to me so I encourage that and then I'm also leaving and this is like I, I try to be specific I try to be really specific with my taking and leaving and make it like something that is that is not here's the thing it can be a wish and it can be a want but i like to make it specific this third one is so unspecific it's literally just being neurotic as shit like i've just been so neurotic lately and i just don't this is a plea it's a plea i'll bargain with whoever i need to bargain with to just like have a month off of being neurotic like please i think last month i was like i'm taking being chill cath and that did not come to fruition so Take when it, when you're filling out the podcast form of your taking and leaving, do it however you would like. If you like to be wishful and it's a hope and a prayer, do that. If it's something very specific that you're like a goal you're committing to, do that. Treat it however you would like to treat it. And now we will go into what came up for you. I love 
getting to hear from my respondents every single month, especially the repeat respondents. It's so lovely that if for some of you, this has become like a ritual in your month as much as it is a ritual in mine. That's exactly what this is for. And I actually had somebody write in and say that being afraid that my answers aren't good enough for this survey every month. Thank you, Erin from Northeast Ohio, who's 25. It did give me a good chuckle, I think, because real recognizes real. And I can understand where you're coming from, where it's like, even in just a Google form where you're reflecting on your month, you can still feel the pressure to be like, oh, but is this, am I getting to the quality? Am I getting to the good stuff? And like, like first and foremost, like this exercise is really just like a chance to have a space to reflect, like, and being willing to have me share some of those reflections on the podcast. Of course, you could always just like take my prompts and like use those to journal and not ever submit to the podcast and not ever even want to like push that out to a wider audience. And I would totally respect that and understand that. Um, I'm also really grateful to those of you that do send them in so that I can share them because it's so much more rich to like see to, to bounce back and to turn the mirror the other way and to like see see the full revelatorium room of like who all is in here and 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 what we're rocking with every month um that's also why i wanted to create the zine is because i'm like these responses are so thoughtful and good every single month like they're always good enough but it's just like i can't i do not have the vehicle and the time to share every single one on audio so like let's have another format where i can put more of them out there um but yeah i hope I think everyone uses this form a little bit differently, um, but I see you and I affirm you and let us let us all leave that in July. Nora, who's 28 in Brooklyn, is leaving the torch I was still carrying for my ex. Beautifully put, I wanted to hear more, but a part of me was like, I like how concise and pithy that is. And like, it did, it did strike, strike an accord with me. Sophia, who's 25 in Rome, said that she is leaving the fear of rejection and seeming intense. I will honor my feelings and express them if and when I feel like it. I want to take big risks rather than live vicariously through the people in my life that do. And this is like the only way that I know how to live. Like I fully don't understand it. I don't understand how people can like suppress and like deny themselves from like releasing their feelings and how they and expressing themselves like obviously I would not have a microphone in my hand and be putting this on on every podcasting application available to you um if if I were any good at suppressing my emotions I have like the opposite problem where it's like I feel the need to express everything and like put myself out there and I felt that way since I was five years old like I have the documentation in my journals that today I will today I'm going to express myself like I've always been that girl so I just it's it's like when I see coming of age stories or tv shows where one of the plot points is like a character like suppressing their emotions and like denying that that's not the way I learned to be I've been loud and vocal and um I don't rush it like there are times where I'm I'm quiet imagine that there have been times where I've been quiet with my feelings and like expressing myself but it's only with the intention that like when I'm ready, I will speak those things. I will speak those things. So I have to imagine that if you're not the kind of person that's pretty free flowing with how you're feeling that if you're not that kind of person, maybe it would seem foreign to be around someone who is so expressive. But like 
that is just a prerequisite to being in my life is like you have to be the kind of person that's down for me to just express what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. I don't know any other way. That's part of like compatibility with me. So I I hope for you that you can leave the fear of being rejected for for that quality in July and like find people who celebrate that because I think it's a beautiful thing. Clearly, I'm biased. Isabel, who's 27 in Melbourne, Australia, is leaving Letting the Dishes Pile Up and her old car and her delusions that the Aldi cashier is flirting with me every week when I'm pretty sure I'm just starved of human interaction and they are being a normal amount of friendly. Here's the thing. Take it. Take it. Let yourself let yourself believe they're flirty. This is the romanticism within me is the imagination of like, they could be. They could be flirting. I'll let myself believe they could be flirting because no harm, no foul. Flirting isn't that serious. It doesn't mean anything. I flirt with my friends. Like it it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're 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 there's no there's no contract. There's no it's just a little fun moment, okay? Until you start to express your feelings. Um <laughs> getting back to that previous one. So it it is a little bit I mean, with Trader Joe's cashiers, I fully know that they are being paid to be that way. And with servers, you know, you get better tips if you're a little flirtier. So, like, I take that into consideration, but still, I'm like, it's just more fun to live my life thinking that I'm being flirted with. Peyton in Des Moines, Washington, who's 23, said that they are leaving, isolating from my loved ones and my relationship with my now ex who I live with. And the little emoji who's like two eyeballs that are open and the tongue's out, and it's like kind of turned to the side. Um, I just like I think I commented on this last month but every single month there are people in column it's actually column F on my excel sheet of what you're leaving there are people in column F who are leaving you know relationships behind like loved ones behind you know their significant others behind and then in column G next to it there are people that are taking new relationships and it's so affirming to see because it's like I know that that revolving door is happening I know that it is but having it written down in the aerial font at size 10, like being able to see it and being like, yeah, everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through it. It's happening. Because you can tell yourself that story of like, yeah, relationships end, relationships start, da da da, da. And maybe you have a friend that's going through a breakup, but like overwhelmingly every single month, dozens of people are having that experience. And it's like, that's just, that's the cycle of it all, baby. Um, Similarly, Amanda, who's 21 in Seattle, baby, uh, a a fellow person that likes to use baby. The problem with the problem with the problem with using baby is like one time I remember I'd been on like three dates with a guy and I used baby in one of my texts to him. But it was like the last word of the sentence. I meant to be like that sound like like let's freaking go, baby, you know? But I'm like, what if he read it? Like, let's go, baby. I'm like, oh, I can't have it. I can't have it that way. So I try to be pretty, uh, I go over the top with my babies now to make it clear that like it's a, a turn of phrase and not necessarily I'm addressing you that way. Anyway, Amanda is leaving behind a loving yet tumultuous romantic relationship of two years, recognizing this the goodness that I want to keep with me, only now in different forms, and letting go of unhealthy behaviors and anxious attachments. 
leaving behind the idea that I am a continuous self-improvement project. I can be focused and driven to new passion projects without feeling like I'm inherently lacking just because they haven't come to fruition yet. And lo and behold, like a fellow Seattle resident who had the same exact revelation that I did, same exact revelation. You are not original. You are not alone. You're not novel. You're experiencing the human condition just like everybody else. And it's just good to read. It's good to read. I found that being literate can improve my life. Okay, what are people taking? What are you taking into August? Because I only had cherries. What are you guys taking? Olivia, who's 22 in Salt Lake City, said that she is taking Reading Smut, Listening to Shaky Graves, and My Buzz Cut. And I just loved that trio. That trifecta, Some it, it rang a good note in my head. If I were a, synest, if I were a synesthete, someone that experiences synesthesia, that might ring, ring true in my head. Okay. Uh, Abby, who's 24 in California, is taking a sense of wonder and awe at the beauty of the world, jumping into freezing cold lakes and rivers, Pacific Standard Time, also my National Park annual pass. And I will say when you are not able to jump into a beautiful body of water, that is what to me, that's the closest I get to suppressing a feeling. (laughs) Because I was in Alaska and we were on this boat in a fjord and fjordic, fjordian waters Blue ass water, blue ass water, baby. I wanted to jump in so damn ass bad, but I knew that it was probably like 10 degrees. Like I knew it was probably like so cold that you like you could only do it in like a dry suit and maybe not even that. And I, I just wanted to dip my toe in so bad, but the, the, there was no way I was getting off that boat and like getting in the water. But um, I, I have to live by a body of water. I have to. Jumping into a lake is like so healing. The best is an alpine lake, but you usually have to hike to those things. So the fact that I can just, I really want to jump in, I really want to get into the lake with my mom this weekend and have some mother-daughter healing time um, and take her paddle boarding. I just think that would be fun. But like, do do I think that in the four, three, four days she's going to be here that we'll have a break from moving? I don't know. I would like to. I would like to make a break. Make a break for it. Okay. Elizabeth, who's 22 in Cincinnati, Ohio, is taking remembering that I have secure relationships, good routine of movement and stillness, not taking my job too seriously, and when I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, remembering that there is no other shoe. There is no other shoe. There is no other shoe. (laughs) Mr. Shoe. (laughs) Yikes. All right. Um, Hannah, who's 25 in Alabama, is taking labeling myself a writer first before any job title. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I will say, I did just want to acknowledge, I know a lot of my themes this month were like art, creativity focused, and some friendship up top. And like friendship, art, creativity, those are central themes of my life. So like they will come up in the podcast intermittently. But just know that like if those aren't your favorite themes, next month, assured, like assuredly, we'll have differing themes. But I I will just say to Hannah's comment, when I was in Alaska, um, I was meeting, of course, these 40 individuals. And commonly, they would ask me what I do. And I wasn't looking forward to that question. And I I wanted to start asking when people are like, I wanted to start answering when people ask, like, what do you do in Seattle? I wanted to just be like, you know, I paddleboard and I ride my bike and I, you know, go to the park with my friends. And like, I wanted to answer that way so bad. And like, Unitarians as 
you know, a group of spiritual people are very like hippy dippy. Like they're pretty accepting, like pretty accepting. Like I feel like they, I wanted them to just go with it, but I, they're also very intellectual peoples and very academic people. So I'm like, maybe they wanted to like fit me into their, into their, into their box of, you know, what, what career I fit into. I never answered that way, but I did start answering for a few that I was an artist. And then people would ask me what video, what medium. And I had to be like, I don't know, video, um, because it's like, I think of myself as a creative, but still that title of like artist, like capital A artist still feels out of, out of reach because I'm like, oh, I'm not creating high art. I'm not creating like anything that's very, um, lofty. Uh, I'm just creating content and that's not art, but I'm like, maybe in 40 years, we'll look back at this and be like, this was an art form of the time. We just didn't recognize it as such. Anyway, I love that you're labeling yourself a writer first. My sister kind of made fun of me because she was like, you're not an artist. But I was like, you know what? The only way I feel like you can become a writer or an artist is just by unabashedly just being like, yep, that's what I am. And soon enough, you'll become it. It's an affirmation. It's a manifestation and an affirmation. Okay, my third question was, what was the last performance you really enjoyed watching? And what was the last performance you did not enjoy watching? So seeing like, you know, what's the range of performance and how did that actually affect you? Like, did you did you care that the performance was not as good? Like, what did that mean for you? And uh, Red in Dublin, News 25, did not love seeing Grace Jones play at a festival and she flopped. It made me realize I'd rather spend my time discovering newer, smaller acts at a festival than be disappointed at the main stage. And I think that's such a like astute observation. It's like you want to think that the person with the biggest budget, that's the biggest font size on a festival lineup that has the boldest name is going to be the best performance. And a lot of times because they have the theatrics and they have a lot more lighting and set design, like it does end up being like, or they maybe can afford backup dancers or something. I don't think Grace Jones is the kind of person to have backup dancers, but like having that all just makes it a much more punchy performance. But like I have, you know, been very impressed by the 4 p.m. act that goes on and they have barely any crowd to hype them up and somehow they're still holding their own and they have that like think that's a um maybe maybe even more impressive in a way okay another another bad experience we won't focus on the negative and this is all to say artist subjective the number of barbie movies i got in the enjoyed and the number i got in the not enjoyed like it goes both ways like you you just gotta be a free thinker stand tall stand stand proud in your belief that this media or art that you consumed is good. You know, um, same with the summer I turned pretty. I won't tell you which category that falls into for me. Allie, in, who's 25 in Philly, said that her bad experience was probably Don't Look Up, which was a movie that came out so long ago, but still grinds my gears. I work in renewable energy and just hated the kind of negative vision it left for our future. We need more media showing us the hopeful future we can have if we work together, not more of the same. Just had me in knots thinking about who gets to make satire out of this stuff versus who has to endure the the realities of climate change every day. And that was that's a realization I have a lot. That's how I felt when I was watching The Last of Us, which I was I was like, this is a very moving television show. And you know, it's very good. But it's very nihilistic. And there's a little bit of like, an alternative visioning and it's it's all alternative visioning but it's all like 
look at kind of the worst, most of the worst of humanity and like all of the bad constructs we can create. And I was like, we have so much of this kind of dystopian stuff. Where is the utopian TV show? And I I know that we don't have as much of that because negative, scary stuff, fear gets the clicks. But like, where is the utopian stuff? And in my Patreon book club this month, which like, I I kind of, I like, I don't mind doing self-promo at all because it's not hard to do self-promo when you like the things that you're creating. And like my Patreon book club is something that I'm just like, yes, I'm very proud of this. And like, I think it's very fulfilling and rewarding um, for me to be a part of. And like, I enjoy interacting with people every week. Anyway, I'm only bringing it up because this, because it's such a, it's just like, I bring it up because it's in my life so much. You know, it's like the things I talk about on this podcast are things that are rev- that, that are crossing my mind all the time. And like my, the stuff I create and my book club crosses my mind all the time. I shouldn't like have to explain that, but felt the need to. Anyway, we're reading this book. Um, I'm holding it up for the audio listeners called A Psalm, A Psalm for the Wild Built. It's only 140 pages. It's a tiny book. Um, and it's an, this uh, reviewer says it's an optimistic vision of a lush, beautiful world. And I deeply enjoyed how much you can like, yeah, you can indulge in a utopian future. We can enjoy utopian media, too. So I'm I'm freaking with you there. I'm like, uh, I want to say Parable of the Sower might be the same, but I haven't read that yet by Oct- Octavia Butler. I really need to. Because a lot of my my commie friends um, revere that. Okay, another negative one. Sorry. Sorry, like, sorry. Brandon in Seattle, who's 27, said that they, uh, the performance they did not enjoy watching, the performance of a man feigning interest just to get some sex. Yikes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And how pathetic is that? And how pathetic is that? Like, you're doing all of that? just for this little animalistic experience like is it that serious is it that serious i just really appreciate you know sex that sex itself is, can be a performance and what what leads up to it even more so so sorry i'm i'm doing so many of the negative ones which is just exactly counteracting what i'm uh, it confirms what i was saying is like we the negativity um is is uh clouded like we like negativity like it is fun to talk about I'll get into some positive ones, but Tay, who's 26 in Columbus, Ohio, said that they didn't enjoy that they were at a farmer's market and there was this adult show choir. I'm so sorry, but it was it was bad. (laughs) But isn't it beautiful that they got to be there and perform and that somebody thought that they were good and that's why they invited them, you know, like we can we can hold both things in our in our heads. Okay, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Midge, who's 25 in Denver, said that she saw Theo Katzman and Joe Dart, vocalist and bassist of Wolfpack in April, without having listened to any of their solo artist work. And basically was saying that, like, usually when she goes to concerts, she knows the music beforehand, but in this case, she didn't. And her interpretation of the songs and what they mean to her now are heavily based on the emotions in the room that night and the artist's commentary during the concert. And I have had that experience before, too. I remember seeing Remy Wolf's show, excellent performer. Um, she like I, kn- I knew most of the music, but there was one song off her recent album that I hadn't listened to, uh, Street You Lived On. Um, and that completely, like, it, even, even the recorded studio version, it didn't get me to the notes I hit by hearing it live. Like, 
it truly can change the whole tenor of like how you experience someone's music. So it's kind of cool to do it the inverse way where you hear the music before you hear the album sometimes. And because it came up a couple times, I wanted to share this response. This one's from Christine, who wrote in from her couch at home. She's 25, said a film that I enjoyed was After Sun, hit home with the father-daughter relationship divorced parent situation made me cry like a baby and reminded me that only art can strike something so deep in you and i i too am an after sun viewer um i too i too released some tears because i could tell how important it was to that filmmaker to make that movie like that story that story needed to be told so badly like it and it came out and it was so deeply personal and like that speaks volumes like you can't hide it when it's something so personal like it just it just is it's loudly in there finally i asked you all for some advice i feel like a lot of times podcasts it's listeners asking the podcaster for advice i was like you know what i have no idea what to do i you know i have my little therapized routine with you know my depression and and my care and like i'm taking good care of myself like it's gonna it's it's going to be okay but i was still like hey let's see if there's anything that like sounds good that you're all doing and how you self-soothe when you're panicked or overwhelmed by everything that's in front of you and a couple things taylor who's 25 in pittsburgh said reducing sensory input blackout curtains eye mask a podcast to listen to while lying very still on my back also just lying on the floor in corpse pose especially if the floor is carpeted something about that particular sensation is the most soothing sensory experience to exist and i i'm gonna come out and say it i'm not a floor sitter i'm not a floor sitter i have many beloved people in my life that are floor sitters it is never it's never drawn me in I prefer to sit on a couch, on a bed, at a, at a, at a like a risen position. Even this like event I went to last night, we were sitting in a sitting on the floor, and there was like a little bench, and I wanted to sit on the bench instead of sitting on the floor. But then I felt like uh, I didn't want to make myself at a different level than everybody. I just don't do that. But I am moving out of this carpeted apartment, and I'm like, you know what? I do think I'm due for a corpse pose lie down on the carpet because this carpet's not bad. It's not bad. And we're hearing from Amanda again from Seattle. Sitting in that feeling and bringing more awareness to how it actually feels in my body, speaking aloud. For example, I'm feeling a sudden wave of sadness and it feels like a downward wave of heaviness in my body. Staying curious and grounding myself in reality. Is this emotion because of a story I've made in my head? A story that's unnecessarily cruel to me? Usually my reality always has a silver lining. And Amanda... I, I do we have the same therapist? Do we have the same therapist? I actually saw <laughs> Lindsay Rem like figured out that she had if anyone watches Lindsay Rem, I love that girl. She figured out that she had the same therapist as like one of her internet mutuals and I'm like what a crazy experience. I can't imagine knowing someone that has my same therapist, but like I love my therapist. I think she's wonderful and I would be happy if she were spreading her gospel to other people because that that is very therapized language and that sounds like um what my therapist advises as well. I mean, that could just be what they tell you in, you know, therapy programs at this point. And if you are still hearing my voice, seeing me sit on this blue couch, whether you are on a walk or doing some ambient work or washing your dishes or dyeing your leg hair green, I invite you to leave a comment, um, leave a review that helps just 
keep this afloat. I've been I've been proud that I've been able to be consistent. Like I was very intentional about having this be once a month um, because I knew that's a pace I could keep up with. And I'm really happy that like eight months later, hell yeah, it is. So I will see you back here next month for another dose, another entry into my inner world of the Revelatorium. I hope August is easier on you than July has been. And if not, there's always a place for you right here to reflect on that as well as a zine to consume. Linked below again. Thanks so much for listening. Cather out.